0: My guest today is a former owner of multiple retail and hospitality businesses, founder of Integrated Workforce Solutions, as well as a number of six- and seven-figure startups. He is a number one best-selling author in the business category, professional speaker, coach, and small business expert. He is an award-winning businessman, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. And he was named the business person of the year and has owned more than a dozen multi-award winning six and seven figure businesses across multiple industries, including retail, hospitality, technology, entertainment and education. He is a founder of Australia's largest cloud-based rostering and payroll provider, IWS, as well as a founder and CEO of Australia's fastest growing business community, BX Networking. Please welcome to the show, Matt Alderton. Awesome. Thank you, Pete. Great to be here. Thanks, Matt. Glad to have you on the show today. Uh, Matt, tell me, you've done so many things. In a fairly short time frame, where do you get your drive from?
1: Well, it depends on the perspective of how short it is, I guess, but I'll take it as a short time frame. Well, I didn't want to ask you how old you are, so I guess... <laughs> yes, well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably older than I look, uh, and I've done a fair bit in probably the past uh, couple of decades, but... Uh, um, fitting it all in is is, is probably one of the uh, questions I get asked more than anything else. And I know that it's, it comes down to what you focus on and what you give energy and what you give the most energy you get the most out of. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I've, I've done a fair bit over the past decade or so from retail and hospitality to tech businesses and, and training and education businesses. And I find myself here um in um what are we in 2020 looking at uh uh you know the the fastest growing networking organization in australia and and now new zealand which is pretty exciting in a space that i love working in and that's small business uh and it's a place that i know that uh, you enjoy spending a bit of time as well bit absolutely
0: absolutely now where did you start of all this i was looking at your you know the linkedin profile and uh one thing that I saw at the, at the beginning of your story is there's, there's a bit of commonality. Are you are you like a movie, fa- uh, you know, uh, a fan? Are you, do you like movies, videos, So
1: what's the story there? Because I saw that you were working in a in a video store. I am actually a big a big movie buff. I, I love my movies and I love film um, and uh, you know pr- pretty much everything about it. Uh, ironically, and I don't know if this was coincidence or not or, or whatever, but uh, my father owned a video store back in the '80s. And um, he, when he first started, he had beta and VHS in the shop and, and soon moved to just the VHS format and um, owned that for probably five or six years and got out just before they all made tons of money. <laughs> and um, yeah. um, so, he, um, I think he sold in 88, would you believe? But uh, then uh, in the year 2000, I was working, I was at university um, and I, I found a job uh, working in a video shop as a uh, manager, store manager. Uh, So I started there kind of in in like employment status, like if you forget the fact that, you know, probably worked lots of shifts as a young bloke um, with, you know, slave child labour from my parents (laughs) (laughs) or for love (laughs) as we do in family businesses. But um, yeah, I worked uh, in uh, the video industry for a couple of years there as a store manager. And then I, when I, I actually left there after a couple of years, but I came back to work for that organisation. They owned about uh, 50 video shops around Sydney and um, or, and New South Wales. And I uh, was an area manager, then an operations manager, then GM for that company over a number of years. And that's probably where my passion and love of movies really got embedded i loved i loved it for a long time i've enjoyed movies and film and and the whole genre but uh um that really solidified it for me and then i ended up owning a couple of shops uh in um in the 2000s so i think i bought my first one in 2007 and my second one i bought in 2010 um which is at the end of the uh the value proposition for owning a video yeah. shop. <laughs> so if you own them, the the <laughs> yeah, them in the 90s, yeah, if you own them in the 90s and the the early 2000s, you made a, a good chunk of coin out of it. Um, my father owned it in the 80s just before it and I owned it in the, uh, the um, 2000s, just after they uh, made lots of money. Uh, but in saying that, I learned a lot through uh, running a lot of businesses that had those video shops and I learned a lot uh, about how to run a good video shop. So we managed to do really well in the shops that we had. Um, and uh, I still owned it up until 2019. So, one year ago, I still owned a video shop, can you believe? I sold it in January of, uh, or the end of January 2019. Sold it, by the way, just putting that out there. Somebody still bought it. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably more so for the retail space than for the video shop itself. Yeah, okay, right. yeah <laughs> I was going to say. I'm pretty happy to have uh, to actually have sold a video store. I think I'm the last person in the world to have sold one. But uh, yeah, good times. Uh, uh, great industry. Great, like just such an enjoyable industry. And I've had lots of different businesses, subway stores, cafes, um, all sorts of tech and stuff like that but I love the video shots more than anything else. There's no other business where you get a new product like that every week and it's an exciting product and it's got you know, Nicole Kidman on the front cover or Leonardo DiCaprio or someone like that. It's uh, lots of fun, it's good industry.
0: I'm missing that, you know. Back, I still remember when I was a kid, like going into a video store. There was there was something about it, like you know, walking around the shelves and picking up a physical cover of a DVD or or a VHS, even yeah. a, a movie, and you know, reading the back cover. There was something, you know, the smell of you could smell the VHS. There was there was a bit of a magic to it,
1: and um, it feels like it's it's not there anymore. No, well, you just don't get that on Netflix, do you? You can't browse that oh, wall, and. Yeah. I remember people used to walk up and down the wall and they'd have a couple in their hand and they'd be choosing between a few. It's just not like that anymore. Actually, it's like that at my house because I have quite a few DVDs, like a couple of thousand DVDs I've got in my, in my house, in my personal collection. Um, so you can still browse a new release wall. Well, there's probably not many new releases in there now, but you can browse the DVD wall. Um, but it is lots of fun. But you know what it taught me, I think, out of uh, all my lessons from being in... Um, that industry, and I think it was my favorite because it was uh, an industry where, a a business where people came to enjoy themselves. They were on a Friday night or a Saturday night and they're they're thinking about spending time with the family and having fun and enjoying themselves and chilling out. And there's a mood that's associated with that as opposed to many other businesses that has a real. So if you can capture that, like there's a real energy there. Um, But I know that a thing that really sticks with me from the video shop is that during the like the probably the 90s is when they made so much money like the average video store is probably making you know 20 25 grand a week their wages were about uh, anywhere from sort of 15 to 20 percent of their turnover their cost of goods were about 25 uh, percent of their turnover they had low rents uh, considering uh, you know in the time of the decade they were in rents you know hadn't grown to what they have these days and uh and all their other costs were very low and so to think to have a, a wages cost of about 15 percent and a and a cost of goods sold of about 25 percent um you know you're still left with more than half your turnover after that um you know royalties and franchise fees weren't ridiculous and exorbitant either um so you're, you're in an industry that had so much money flowing through it and yet so many of those owners uh, went bust in the year 2000 and beyond and it staggered me and it taught me something though it, it you know it doesn't matter how much money you make it's about the discipline that you have in the good times just as much as in the bad time and knowing you know put money away for a rainy day and you know profit is about you know a reward that you have in your business but a portion of the profit that you put, you need to be putting away for tomorrow to continue building your business for tomorrow and look at where we are now where are in the midst of um, one of the, the biggest economic downturns uh, in our history Uh, and most people wouldn't have had a week's worth of cash in their bank um, to continue going. Um, and if it wasn't for the government, you know, giving us all uh, job keeper and all that sort of stuff to keep us going, many business owners right now would have folded, um, which would have been devastating for employment, devastating for the economy, uh, and obviously for ourselves as well. Um, but the, the video industry is a classic example of that. It taught us that it doesn't matter how much money is in an industry. It's not necessarily going to be there tomorrow. Um, mm. And it doesn't matter whether it's a coronavirus that uh, kills it or whether it's Netflix. Um, and late fees didn't kill the video store. It was poor, poorly run businesses, I think. There were some great operators who did a great job, but I saw a lot of them go bust because they weren't ready for tomorrow. They were just thinking of today and driving nice cars and living in nice houses and, and mortgaged up to the hilt because the cash was coming in, uh, but not thinking about what tomorrow looked like. Uh, and they had plenty of warning. You know, as opposed to coronavirus.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we're not just talking about, uh, uh, like you said, they were spending money where they should have kept it and think a bit more uh, on the vision of the business. Then we had Blockbuster, right? That was a yeah. that was a big
1: chain. Have you felt that one? Well, so Blockbuster here was interesting because um, they were a big American chain that came through Australia, and and probably and I was Video Easy for most of my. When I ran the the fifty odd shops that we had, we were Video Easy, and I um, rebranded to uh, to uh, Network Video when I left uh, and, and owned my own ones. Uh, but Blockbuster was the the big brand in Australia. Video was Video Easy was the Australian brand, but Blockbuster just crashed worldwide. Like they just disappeared. They pulled out of Australia. They left their businesses high and dry. Um, yeah, classic.
0: I mean big lesson to learn there, right? The, the power of, of innovation in a business with them and, and you know the story of Blockbuster and Netflix, when Netflix was starting out, I think the story goes like the the, the, the CEOs or the, you know the, the executives of Blockbuster like they're just laughing at it. It was just ah oh, this is never gonna you
1: know I think yeah I think, yeah, I think they had about about an opp- and- I think they even had an opportunity to engage if I remember the story. They they had an opportunity to buy in at the time and they knocked it back. Um, in saying that, Netflix Netflix has lost money for many many years as well, so it's been a, a black hole of an investment. Mm. Um, and um, you know, there's going to be a bunch of uh, of streaming services that I don't think are going to make it uh, because it's a very competitive market. And you've got some big players, Apple TV Plus. You've got um, you've got well, obviously Netflix is probably one of the the strongest at the moment. Apple TV Plus, Disney Plus. Um, Stan prime and um, of course all your free to air all streaming their services now as well. Uh, So it's a pretty, pretty messy market. I wouldn't want to be in that game. That would be, there's probably a lot of money being thrown at it and um, I'd be interested to see how much money they're making out of the streaming services alone. Um,
0: You wouldn't want to be trying to start a new business, trying to compete with that. That would be, that wouldn't be a smart decision I reckon. Mm, I agree. Now, back to so running a video store you, you mentioned a couple of you know the benefits of like the costs being low at the time and, and 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 also no perishables right it was nothing i mean there may be some drinks in the fridge but that doesn't go off for <laughs> that soon but bringing that to in comparison to hospitality which you said you had a subway business yeah. entirely different uh a problems Absolutely. with that
1: right yeah well so subways and and so i had um four subways and a couple of cafes and Um, they are hard businesses to work in. So, um, you know, Subway, Turnkey, if I had have had one Subway and worked in that, easy business to run. When you've got um, nine different retail shops to run um, and you're running them under management with 15 to 25-year-olds running those businesses uh, for you, totally different uh, value proposition. Uh, But the one thing I do know, like I I talked about uh, the video store having a 15% wage cost Whereas your subway might have a 25 to 30% wage cost. Um, your cafes are having up 40 and 45% wage costs a lot of the time as well. And then you've got cost of goods sold. Um, so the video store, you've got 25% cost of sale. But then once you've rented that out, you're selling off all your excess copies as well and making more margin back off the back of that on an ex-rental sale. So... Um, um, so it just keeps, you, you know, you rent it out once, it comes back, you rent it out again. And so you're buying for that and then you're selling it off at the back end down to, you know, one or two copies to put on the shelf on the weekly shelves or whatever. Whereas in a cafe and a, and a subway, you can only sell it once and you've got to buy it well and you can't overbuy because you, you'll you then have wastage. Um, but obviously, like the, the big thing about cafes and, and subways, you know, you've got a 30-odd percent wage uh, food cost in there as well. Um, so straight away, you're looking at anywhere from, um, so if you've got 30% of food cost and say you've got a 30% wage cost, there's 60% gone straight away. You might have a 10% royalty or something like that. And if you don't have a royalty, you're probably paying more for your food. Um, so it's still you're looking at, I think, uh, around 65, 70% just with those two factors alone, which leaves 35, 40% to pay all your other costs in your business. Um, which end up, you know, often coming very close to um, break even. Um, so the average cafe on a good week might be making ten percent. Um, the video shops on a good week were, on a good week were making fifty percent. Wow. <laughs> like that's the difference in business. You, you got to run a tight ship, then. You absolutely do. If you don't, you don't run a good ship one week. Yeah, you, you lose money. Then you got to try and make it up the next week if you're lucky. And, and that's the hard thing about retail and hospitality. So that all these businesses know right now with coronavirus that they're they're looking at losing money week in, week out, week in, week out. So that just adds and adds and adds. And then they go, well, when we open, if if we're losing 20% a week or 25% a week, um, or if we're, say we're losing $10,000 a week or whatever that number is, um, They know they have to make that up time and time again, which doesn't just cut into, uh, you know, their profit each time. It might be generate you know, it it could take them two or three years to make up the difference in that loss there. I'm a big believer that, you know, everybody should be paying their way and about, um, you know, a firm believer that the cash economy is a big killer for, uh, you know, people doing the wrong thing and and not declaring their cash. But I can understand why people don't declare all their income because they're not making it they're not making enough and and i know that um there's a lot of businesses out there doing it tough irrespective of the coronavirus but certainly the coronavirus is, is you know putting a lot of businesses under extreme pressure if not going to collapse them
0: yeah one of the big ones the uh, moving on to an online right you guys are two people with bx a uh, big time i mean i know before B, before this happened i mean I know, you know, there was zoom meetings, uh, but I think it was like once a week or once a month. So yeah. there was a big shift to, from going that to going weekly almost every day and some days going twice a day, having uh, one and a half hour meetings. Right? Yeah.
1: So it's great. Right. So um, we, we had been doing it once a month, but we were doing it and um, we were having the same number of 10 once a month as we now have a 10 attend, attend um, a couple of times a day, um, Tuesday through Friday. So it's really, it's quite fascinating because uh, and, you know, you've got to look at the silver lining out of every single thing. And, and the coronavirus, although has, is having a devastating effect on a lot of businesses, there's a lot of businesses that have done well off the back of it by innovating and changing what they're doing um, and, um, and pivoting, which is the term everyone's throwing around at the moment. Uh, but those that have successfully done it, Uh, you know, may still be hurting, but they've created a stronger business off the back of it. Uh, So I know from a BX perspective, we've lost half our revenue overnight because we stopped doing events, but we've created a whole new channel of business, which is in the online. And so we've, it's really like a whole nother um, funnel for our business because people that would never have engaged with us before because they weren't in a physical location where we have meetings can now all of a sudden engage in BX and be part of that um the, the online meetings and uh and then create opportunities to, to actually create face-to-face meetings as well um and uh but what it's done i think for the for business overall is made people wake up to technology i think the resistance that there's been in uh business to using tech uh, is still so significant uh, and I know from a, just a coaching perspective, I you know, when you're talking about things like uh, businesses using accounting platforms, like cloud-based accounting platforms, like QuickBooks Online, for example, um, the number of people using that kind of solution as compared to a desktop solution, um, like an MYB or something like that, or even Excel and, and putting their figures in there or something like that and then sending that to their accountant, that was still proportionately high at the Uh, manual end as opposed to the cloud-based end. Um, Whereas I think we're seeing a transition now where people are are now forced to do Zoom calls and and meet online and uh, use different formats online to communicate. Even accountants are saying, don't come to my office. Don't send me your receipts. This is how you want it now. And people are much they're much more um, compliant, I guess, with that and, and aware of the opportunities that are involved. And we, we've had people, obviously, through our online events that would never have come to an online event before. And they're like, this is amazing. Like, why haven't you been doing this for years? We're like, we have. <laughs> like, wow, why, how did we not know about? this and they just weren't ready for it. But this forced people to be ready for it. And it's done that across all of small business. And I think it's just opened the door for every business to really step it up and to create more opportunities for themselves. And some businesses have done some great work and created some really successful opportunities for themselves and their business for the future. But it's also it's moved you know the consumer as well as the business owner in a really positive direction, I think. Absolutely. I mean, uh, from a fitness side of things, on my end, I've, I've
0: seen incredible shift. I mean, we've been able to very, very quickly move on to Zoom sessions. So we're running Zoom classes. We're seeing up, you know, up to 30 people joining in on Zoom from their living rooms. And we're still able to go to their form, keep them motivated, and still get that sense of community. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's phenomenal, really. Yeah. And the big thing about this is not just, okay, this is just the workaround now just to get by because of this coronavirus, this is, like you said, this is now, people need to think about it. This is a new revenue stream. This is this is the invention now. This is when we come back. It's not like you need to drop it. You should actually think about keeping it and add it as an, an, another as another stream. Absolutely. Now, um, we talk about BX, but I guess for the listeners, we should probably unpack it a little bit. I know in the intro, I sort of mentioned a little bit, but for those listening um, who don't know about what BX,
1: BX networking represents and what it is, um, keen to unravel that a little bit. Yeah, so we we define ourselves as business networking reimagined. So you might have been involved or been to some form of networking in the past. Uh, We are a bit like that, but a bit different or a lot different. And I guess the, the, the big distinguishing thing is we still run events like lots of networking events do. And we do fortnightly breakfasts and lunches and we do the online stuff. Uh, but the big thing that um, we really focus on at BX is helping create referral partnerships as opposed to selling to each other and, you know, the flicking of business cards and the looking at how many people are in the room and how many opportunities there are for people to buy from me. We really eliminate that so that the relationships we're building in the room and online are all about how to help each other and connect each other. And uh, we found that we get amazing results by empowering people to build connections from each other in, the, in their networks outside the room and then create the opportunities then to build referral partnerships off those connections, which create a steady stream of new clients as opposed to sporadic one-off opportunities here and there. And so we've created a format and a structure that really um, extrapolates that out in a meeting and uh, whether that be online or face-to-face. And we've got members that are you know generating six and seven figures off the back of their, their energy and time with the connections they're building off the back of our networking events. Um, but I guess... You know, that is kind of the, the structure and the format and the result. Uh, but really, we are a, a community of business owners uh, spread across Australia and New Zealand uh, that come together regularly online or face-to-face and help each other. And uh, I think that's where the stickiness is, the, the power of, of BX is in the building of that community. And it doesn't matter. We've, we seem to have people that are, you know, really close and they might be close geographically and good friends and, and a great community. Then all of a sudden, um, they've, they've got, contacts across the other side of australia and in in perth or whatever that they might be working with in a collaboration as well and it's 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 really um it's quite amazing it's quite you know rewarding to be part of and to be leading it uh and seeing people you know grow their business off the back of these relationships and the collaborations that happen through the network
0: and anybody listening to this if you have business in australia i highly recommend it you know i've had experience both pre-COVID-19 when it was, you know, over here in Canberra, going to different, I think it's in, there's five chapters that we've got, Gangalin, and Braden, and, and whatnot. And, and the chapter that I used to, or chapter, a group that I used to go to, you know, in Braden, <laughs> in Gangahlin, you know, it was, it was great because you, you go for a brekkie uh, once a fortnight. You get to, you know, see other business owners face-to-face. You know, you, you have a bit of a laugh. You get to know people on a personal level. You get to... Uh, built stronger relationship and trust and so when you build that trust um you know when people know like and trust you then they're more likely to refer you and more likely to um you know to, to that relationship to to build into a, a proper referral partnership so i definitely enjoy that and i've definitely seen that very effective uh, for my own business and now you know doing this zoom it's like it's uh, it's different but also I would say even better, maybe because
1: like I think say, it's faster. Yeah, faster, think yeah, it's, yeah. Because you really you can. Whereas in a lot of meetings face to face, you're creating partnerships and collaborations with people outside the room. A lot of them are already on the call that you can build partnerships with. So you might be have a your referral partner that you've. Um, you might be looking for accountants to collaborate with. There could be two or three accountants on that particular call, spread from across Australia that you've never met before. That create that collaboration, and you seem to get faster traction. Off the back of it um and uh, the other thing you mentioned was breakfast and lunches and so i guess that's uh, i'm a big believer that uh if you come to an event you should get barista made coffee um, as a standard these days and you should get to choose your breakfast and have a la carte breakfast so we are passionate about uh the food that we put in front of our people as well um and um and certainly you know from a from the person who's going to four and five meetings a week. Uh, I'm also liking to choose my meal and have a great coffee. Uh, so it's one thing we do really well at BX is choose fantastic venues from across Australia uh, who will be very excited to go back into soon as well when they're all allowed to host our events and stuff like that. But uh,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. that's I mean, that's their income, right? They, they definitely, they're looking forward to that. Now, somebody out there listening to this, they still might not actually get the benefit of it. it you know, the, the whole idea of networking. I mean, to me, I think the biggest thing here is that um, it's like word of mouth i mean we are herd species and people need to know you if if you, if you're doing a advertisement you know in newspaper it it it's it's lacking a couple of important things it's lacking you know the voice the tonality you know the you can't really replace it face to face you know uh, uh, you know expression of who you are and what you do and so i think that is the biggest thing is there anything else you'd want to add to that
1: Well, I suppose um, the two kind of elements to the value proposition that people get is one that uh, I always say to people that we don't sell to each other at BX. Uh, You know, we don't want a salesy kind of environment with our members, but people buy from each other all the time. So obviously, uh, once you build that relationship and you can know, like, and trust people through um, networking and and working with them on a regular basis, people will buy from you. That's just a no-brainer. You know, people... Once they've got that relationship, they're going to be looking for the people they know, like, and trust to buy from. Uh, But the other element is definitely the referral relationships. And that's, once again, a relationship that that you build and you can't build that uh, via email or anything like that that's a once again a conversation that you need to have so you have got the tonality and the understanding and you're building a relationship as well because you know that's not just something you can make robotic even though you can systemize and structure it so that it's a regular conversation you still need to be on the phone with people on a regular basis to continue a relationship so that they think of you your top of mind and they are referring to you because your referral partners do refer their clients to you that's that's the purpose behind it and they're not going to do that if they don't have a relationship with you in the first place
0: Now, looking at, uh,
1: you know, talking about uh, ideal referral partner, who should the ideal referral partner be? Yeah, so everyone obviously has potentially a different referral partner. Uh, And the easiest way to identify your referral partners is just think about who your clients are and then think about another business that's also serving those clients as well and then that obviously doesn't compete with you. And that is um, generally going to be a good referral partner for, any, for an example, I'll, I'll do some obvious examples and uh, then you would be able to work your way back from uh, the business you might be in. But if you're a mortgage broker, you're typically helping people secure money to buy a home. And uh, so who else is helping people buy homes? That would be a real estate agent. So you would think that a mortgage broker and a real estate agent would have similar client bases. So if, if these two people were talking to each other on a regular basis, say every fortnight, having a quick catch up and seeing how they could help or connect each other up on a fortnightly basis, that would keep each other top of mind, which meant that uh, when they had their ideal client and somebody who said to the real estate agent, oh, do you know a good mortgage broker? They would say, yes, I do, this person, because you're top of mind. And vice versa, when you're, you're, you're sitting in front of your mortgage broker and you're talking about uh, buying a home, they should, they'll say, oh, well, you should speak to this person because they're the guru in that space and they, they know a bunch of great homes in your local area, et cetera, et cetera. So, they're going to naturally refer Another classic referral partnership might be a business coach. Um, and a business coach is a great referral partner for many B2B style businesses. Uh, for example, if you're a marketing person, just say you do SEO, uh, you would be talking to businesses about growing and scaling their business and about investing in marketing. If you're a business coach, you're talking to businesses about growing and scaling their businesses and investing in lots of different things. So one of the questions you'll be asking and talking to your coaching clients about is, What sort of marketing are they doing? And that's a natural connection, therefore, back to the uh, SEO company. Uh, And likewise, the SEO company would be saying, you know, how are you going with the business? What other marketing, what other things are you doing? And they would ask the question, do you have a business coach? You don't have a business coach. I reckon you really benefit from um, getting some structure around and some strategy around what you're doing across all the areas of your business. And they could connect you up with a business coach. So it's really prospecting your clients on behalf of your referral partner so that your referral partner doesn't have to do any selling. They're really just getting a warm client, put in front, a warm lead put in front of them that they can just have a conversation with and they'll know straight away whether it's going to go to the next level or not. Rather than having lots of sales conversations with people that are maybe interested and maybe not, you're having only genuine conversations that are having a high yield, a high um, conversion rate. And you'll be surprised that um, out of it, generally out of every... Uh, referral partnership you'll generate about 20k a year worth of new business and we sort of work uh, with our clients to help them get five to ten new ones every single year uh, which generally gets about 100k to 200k in new revenue per year um, on top of what you built last year and then you'll add to that next year so if you're adding one or 200k worth of new business every year to your business um, you know on top of the income you're already doing as as a business anyway, um, that's a that's a pretty good incremental um, growth in your business. Not to mention you probably will be doing some other forms of marketing which will be driving revenue as well. Uh, so you know if, if they if they're spending time on networking and they're, and they're spending time on their digital marketing and they're um, maybe doing some PR um, and, they, and they're getting all their pillars of marketing into place, you know you should be able to generate you know a good and reasonable um, increase in turnover every year. Couple hundred grand out of networking, couple hundred grand out of this, couple hundred grand out of that. Um, You know, within a few years, you'll have a million dollar business and growing. And really that's where you want to be aiming for. Businesses should be aiming to get into that uh, seven figure uh, point within that sort of first five years and that's, you know, a good, sustainable growing business because every business is a bit different and I'd probably say have a conversation with a coach and if you need a referral to a coach, I can let you know about that too. <laughs> Got some great ones in our network.
0: And another good example could be like in a, in a trades shop, right? You can have an electrician
1: and a plumber, right? That could be a referral partners to each other. Absolutely. So just whoever's already serving your clients. Yeah, so a plumber would be serving, in, in you know, home services, anybody in those home services, builders, plumbers, electricians, spark, like, yeah, they're all fit into that. That. And so you just got to think, and you would have easy, probably 10 plus referral partners. Some would be really obvious key ones and some would be less obvious, but generally they'll all return about 20K worth a new business per year every year. Which is the great thing that I love about BX is we're helping people build businesses um, not just that are, that are linked to their uh, membership. So it doesn't, you know, when you leave BX, you don't lose those referral sources. They stay with you for as long as you nurture those referral partnerships. Whereas Lots of networking, Um, the growth and the referrals are linked to your membership. So you leave, so you might be a business coach. Once you leave that uh, networking organisation and somebody else steps in as as the business coach, they start getting the referrals and you stop getting the referrals, which means you've got to continue to invest in your membership. Uh, for the return in referrals. Whereas I believe that really you should be able to build a sustainable model that's not linked to a membership, it's linked to your input into those relationships, um, not linked to the financial input into a a third party. Uh, It's like SEO, you know, like you build it um, and if you build it, they'll come. But, you know, you don't have to invest the same capital in every year to get the same results. It starts to build itself once you uh, put some of these strategies in place
0: i think it also comes across as a more uh, as a more ethical business model where you you as a you know yourself if bx you're coming across as somebody who's trying to not genuinely help you're not there saying i oh, you know i'm only going to help you as far as you keep paying kind of thing
1: yeah well we're, we're education first and events second and we built bx um, before it was even called bx so i was um, doing small business education, running events with five six hundred people or, or even one hundred people and fifty people, um, doing small business education, uh, and then we created BX and we continued doing that we 're doing twelve month programs and we, the networking became part of it and it 's actually become the, the biggest part of our business now uh, by a long way, but um, our, our, our culture and ethos is around helping and um, and building small businesses and uh you know when you've got that at your ethos it means that you're not focused on how to um you know get as much out of a member as possible you are focused on how to give them as much as possible uh, which in turn will flow back if you believe in karma um uh, but um we, we are strong believers that um you know the more we sell into our members the more valuable we make ourselves anyway um and we know we've got you know one no, percent no greater than two percent churn rate in bx which is crazy right like it means we retain 98% of our members, um, across the 12 month period. Like we are, which is why we've grown 300% in a year. Um, so like, because we, we are constantly focused on putting value back into our membership as opposed to what can we get out of each and every member. It's not about, you know, screwing it down to the minute sense, like you might've in retail and hospitality. Um, it's a different ethos with BX.
0: Now, Matt, I know you do a lot of work for small business and I know you're you know, you also frequently lobby with, with governments um, uh, on, on behalf of small business owners. I believe you've even had a, uh, a conversation with Prime Minister and really pushing that message um, for the government to look after small business. There could be many other business owners you know, who, had, you know, who have you know, had franchises and had different businesses,
1: but they don't do that. So oh. what inspired you to, to be that voice? I guess... Um so i think from a family of small business that probably uh has shaped a lot of my feelings towards um being in business and about helping and being part of something bigger um and we were talking about it earlier before we um kicked off the show here today we were talking about um that it's in you as an entrepreneur. And even when I was a business, like when I was an employee, I had an entrepreneurial spirit and I was, and I think that served my employer because I didn't, I wasn't counting my 40 hours down the clock. I was I was working like it was my own business. But having owned my own business and, uh, and businesses, and I think I've uh, 13 or 14 um, businesses overall I've had, um, having owned all those and, you know, I've had some, Amazingly successful ones, uh, BX being one of those. Um, you know, IWS, um, you know, will be over eight figures by the end of um, sort of next year or so. Um, like so these businesses are, are, are amazing and, and, you know, at least you know you're doing something right. Um, but I've made some pretty big mistakes as well. Um, I've had, And I've had some pretty big setbacks along the way. And it's, it's through those that I've learned more than building the successful ones. I've learned more off the back of the failures that I've had. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, there's an amazing lady by the name of Terry Hawkins who said, there's no failures in life. There's just feedback. Um, so I'm quite happy to think of it as, as really good feedback. Uh, and I, I've learned, I've learned a lot from that and, and it allowed me to take all that and then sow that into the lives of others. Um, and, and I'd much rather teach someone uh, through the, um, the failures that I've had or the feedback I've had um, and give them that wisdom and let them make less mistakes than I've made. Um, and I guess that's part of the community spirit that we have with BX and, and what we do there. But one of my biggest setbacks uh, would have been uh, I had a business partner in one of my early businesses who uh, defraudently took uh, about three – well, about half a million bucks out of the business. Um, and then we got slugged with about another quarter of a million bucks in in penalties and interest because the money that he took out, um, he was supposed to pay um, ATO and super and stuff like that and didn't. And we got slogged with it. Um, so, it cost us about three quarters of a million bucks. It took us about a decade to really get over it. Yeah. Um, took us you know, a considerable time to pay it back and, and really, you know, the, the impact uh, The impact is probably lifelong in terms of financial because you never have that time back um, when you've had to, it's like when I was talking about the retail and hospitality businesses, it's going to cost them two or three years in their business um, of, of making money and, and, and the reward for that investment they've put in there. Um, and some of them might not even have leases long enough to make that money back. Um, and it's, you know, I look back and I think, well, that's probably a decade out of my life that that cost me. But I guess the positive, and you've got to find a positive, otherwise you don't get up out of bed in the morning and keep going. But if, <laughs> once you find the positive, and that is, and often it's after the fact that you can you reflect on and get more positive, uh, but it's the lessons. It's the lessons I've now applied into other businesses where I haven't then made the mistakes that I've made back then. Um, I've been much um, slower to trust, um, which is good and bad, but I'm, I'm much wiser to trust, I suppose, is, is probably the thing. I, I think back then when I took a partner on, um, I just saw the opportunity. I didn't think of what are the pitfalls, what are the things I should be overseeing. Um, and probably the biggest lesson out of all that as well is, um, it 's the people around me, who am I taking my advice from? Um, because the advice I was taking only on in business was from a local um, almost retired accountant um, who had um, who had plenty of years of experience of doing personal tax returns for people and doing um, and maybe a few small businesses in the local area, but he was not um, not broad enough no, not broad enough, not understanding of enough of of um, businesses of a certain size and growing. Um, and probably had no other retail and hospitality businesses under his portfolio. Um, and, of course, he used to do my personal tax returns because he did my mother-in-law's tax returns and I just ended up using him just through that referral. And 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 each accountant I've had for a long time, I, I had for a long time, but um, I had it for too long probably as well. So I should yeah. have made the next step to the, the, uh, the next one before I did. Um, and... It probably cost me as well in decisions that i've made so i and lawyers would be exactly the same conversation so i think those professional advice people business coaches another classic example um so wherever you're getting your advice from you have to think about that you know we're with people for a season a reason or a lifetime um there's very few lifetime people that we're with in our life um so it's a season or a reason um, and I, I, I can see, and I, um, when I look at and think about the people that I've had around me, about when I should have moved on, because and I didn't for a variety of reasons. You know, relationships, and I felt like I maybe owed them, or um, I just say know emotional better. attachment sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I think um, ultimately, I, I can pin, you know, the cost of some of those along the way as well. Um, and it's easy to attribute. Uh, the accountant and the lawyer, probably two big ones um, that we should be thinking about. Are they serving us right now? And are they doing, are they they at where we're at now? And are they going to take us to the next stage? Because they might be okay for now, but if they're not going to be able to take us to the next stage, then it's probably worth having a think about who are our next stage, our next season, um, People that are around us, because we are the average of the seven people we spend the most amount of time with. We, we, you know, we take where we take our advice from. We, we by osmosis, we we take on and we absorb the wisdom of others around us. And if we're not around around enough great people, um, we're not the best that we can be either. And that's probably the biggest lesson I've taken out of all my businesses. And oftentimes with with
0: family and, and, and relationships that can also be the, the culprit because there's a big emotional attachment and, and those people mean the best for us. They love us and they they generally want to help us but uh, the advice is not often the one that you should listen to, um,
1: right? Definitely. And I guess it's a leadership thing as well. Um, it might be an employee that, that you've got um, or a team member that's with you that you think, you know, this person may have been great at the time. Um, But at the end of the day we don't we shouldn't be making decisions just 100 based on personal feelings and emotions we Mm. should be doing things what's what's the best thing for everybody here um and that's often to move on um you know season a reason a lifetime it's a it's a great analogy to think people don't need to be with us forever um and it's okay to move on and that's the same for marriages and relationships of any kind um so hopefully my wife and i were good for a lifetime um, I think we are over twenty years married now with three kids we 're doing pretty well, um, but you know it doesn 't mean you got got you can just you know that 's okay and and hope that hope that it continues on you 're still going to work hard at these things um, as is you 've got to do with any relationship, whether it be in business or life
0: yep mm. now another uh, technical question what business here? you 've had an experience with both uh, starting business from scratch. I believe you had a coffee shop as well. Did you start from scratch? Yeah. But then you also run a franchise. You run a couple of those subways. So um, how, what, what are pros and cons of sort of both? What, what pros and cons of both other businesses have you personally experienced?
1: So I started out of all the retail and hospitality businesses, I started, um, so I took over two video shops. I didn't start them from scratch. With um, the subways, I opened uh, three of them. And, uh, I started, and I started, and I bought one existing. And uh, with the coffee shops, I um, started both of those, um, BX from scratch, and um, and IWS from scratch as well. Um, so most most from scratch, um, and that, and that's probably the best. If if you've got something, and these days it's pretty easy to open a business from scratch. Um, but the big difference between like a Subway. Um, whether you're taking it over or starting it from scratch, they're, they're really turnkey operations. Even when you're starting it from scratch and you're building it, you're given, um, you know, the Lego kit to, to build yep. it from. Um, you're even given the builders and stuff like that. So, that's they're really easy businesses to start off with. And I'd probably recommend, you know, if someone wants to get into business and they've got no business experience, then that's a good place to start because they help you do your business planning, they help you, they do that, regularly with you they have um, a team that come out and visit you once a month and, and and work through you know your restaurant for yes health and safety stuff but they're also helping you grow your business as well um whereas lots of business owners go into business now and they've got no idea what they're doing they've, they've never owned a business never done any kind of education t- in terms of running a business and then they go and open one um, and then they realize um you know they love serving customers or love doing what they do as a trade but they're actually not good at running a business and this is probably the number one reason most businesses come unstuck is just they're, just, they're technically fantastic, but they're, um, at the actual business itself, the running of the, uh, the books and the accounts and the legal framework and the HR and all those bits that uh, don't actually apply to the product or service, they're just how to actually run the business itself. They're not good at that and they don't have much experience. They might be good at one part of it but they probably suck at another. So it might be yeah. good with the team and that, but they might be terrible um, at the accounts or vice versa. And that's where lots of businesses come unstuck because they just they let those areas fall over and they, they become very costly, um, you know, because there's legislation that binds you uh, with a lot of these that if you don't do it right, it can come back and bite you in the ass down the track. So you've got to be very careful. Um, and, but it is pretty easy to start a business these days. If you're not brick, bricks and mortar, then it is super easy because, you know, you can start it from your, your home office and or your, your lounge room or whatever and, and you kick it off and you're off and running, up and running. Well, when you think about that, uh, if you've got something you can do like that, that's fantastic. Uh, but what I the, the challenge I would always set for people is that do it right. Even if you're going to start it from your lounge room, you know, you need to know what your turnover is going to look like by the end of, you know, this month this quarter this year next year 5 years put a business plan to pr- put a business plan into place treat it like you're spending you know 300,000 bucks on opening a subway restaurant even though you're going to be given the structure down the track still treat it like you're spending the money up front because i think that when people aren't spending the money up front they think oh well, there's no risk the problem with, with, is when there's no risk they don't put the same level of effort in. And when there's, the effort's not there, the, the structure and the discipline to achieve the results isn't there either. And lots of people, and excuse the saying, but they fart us around for two or three years earning less than the minimum wage. And I can safely say this because half of small business, so those earning under um, less than a couple of million bucks a year, half of them earn less than 50,000 bucks a year. Less than fifty thousand bucks a year, and let, let's assume that the fifty k is about minimum wage. Um, That's like, that's under minimum wage. Like, why are we doing that? Why are we risking, um, you know, our future, uh, probably not paying ourselves superannuation, all those things to earn less than the minimum wage. We might as well go get a job, work for 40 hours um, in um, a supermarket or something like that without any responsibility and be able to enjoy, you know, every minute that you're not working rather than be stressing about trying to build your business and probably working 60 hours in it. So... Uh, knowing what to do, when to do it, getting the right structures, having the right people around you and um, being having the discipline. Um, like I've worked from home from, um, through this coronavirus, but I start my day at the same time. I end my day at the same time. I, I set daily goals. I set um, myself actions for the day. Um, if, and if I'm not achieving those, you know, I might do a bit of work in the night to catch up. And, and that, that's cool because um, you own your own business. But that's a discipline as well. If I just, you know, was whatever, you know, fasting my way through the day and and week, then month, then year. um, You You don't know where you're going. No, that's right. And and how can you possibly have a business where you actually have no idea of where you're going and, and how fast fast and how long it's going to take to get there. And yeah, so discipline is probably a big thing that people need to really put into place and have a, the goals set in place. And I have my goals up on my wall in front of me, my, my, I have my weekly in front of me on my desk. I have my quarterly, my annual up on the wall in front of me. Um, and so I'm reminded of where I'm going. I know where I'm. I know what I'm trying to achieve. I know what I'm trying to achieve and I cross it off when I get there. Um, and you've just got to have that discipline. Like you've got a boss who's, who's sitting in another office who's got those expectations of you as well uh, yeah. because you do. The boss is the ATO <laughs> or the bank um, and they've got expectations, but they don't come knocking until the last possible moment and it's all too late when they come knocking. So, you've got to think there's another boss in the office next door who's who's by the end of this week or month or quarter, he's going to want answers or she's going to want answers to uh, why you are or are not achieving what you need to be achieving. Might be your wife. Yeah, it could be your wife. <laughs> That's probably in a lot of cases that might be the case.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, starting a business on your own, uh, obviously, you need you need to be, um, you need to, what you said, you need to have, you know, uh, <laughs> the what's the word?
1: Discipline, discipline. No. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need to have di-
0: <laughs> discipline, right? So, um, and when you got nobody else around you, um, where do you get that discipline, right? You need to have a strong why, because that will that will drive us that motivation. That will drive that perhaps that discipline too. Um, what is
1: your big audacious why, Matt? Well, my my goal, my vision for BX is to uh, empower the lives of business owners and entrepreneurs across the globe. Um, so I have a it's a it's a big b hag it's a fairly broad b hag, um, but I, and I think we are I know we are achieving it um, we're we're global now as a, a officially as of like May and June we've become a global organisation um, now no longer just in Australia. Um, and we've been signing people up. We've had people from the U.S. and Canada, and um, we've got already got an Indian base um, building at the moment. Uh, we were supposed to launch there this year. I don't think that's going to happen. Sorry for all our Indian fans out <laughs> there, but I don't think we're going to be able to travel to and from. So it makes it pretty hard. But we will be online over there um, and New Zealand, obviously. So we're you know we are making a difference globally, um, and we're changing the lives of business owners globally, and, I, and that's that's. That's what we're trying to achieve. and that's what we are achieving, and I know we we will continue doing that um, because our ethos is about helping people first. It's about adding value and you know empowering the lives of business owners and entrepreneurs first, and the rest will come. Uh, and uh, you know the discipline's an important part, obviously, in terms of achieving it and getting getting um, every step of the way. Because I believe I believe your BHAG is that big goal that's up here, and it could be two years away, five years away, or whatever. Um, but you've got to have a stepping stone every step of the way, you know, um, no, no one can jump, you know, five years into the future, um, in one step, but you can step daily, um, and little steps every day. And how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It's exactly the same with your goals. Um, and that's why I, I write my daily goals down. I have weekly goals. I have monthly goals, quarterly goals, annual goals. And, and they are just those, um, stepping stones to my goals along the way that, each time I achieve them, I cross them off and I get that little hit of endorphins and dopamine into my bloodstream and, I'm, and it mo- motivates me and pushes me through to the next one. And, um, yeah. Goal setting is a very
0: exciting topic and we could probably have another whole episode on that. I know, I mean, I, I, I love the process of, you know, coming up with something new that you want to develop and, and you, you build that, you know, that 12 months. Where do you see that in 12 months? And then you start breaking it down and then you start breaking it monthly, weekly and then little daily routines so it's it's awesome when you, when you really put that hard work into it. It actually is not that hard when you have that clarity of like a specific task on that day, like how many emails or how many phone calls you need to do or what you need to do on that day. And then you look at that bigger picture. Oh, okay. Well, this leads to me achieving that monthly thing, and then quarterly, and then yearly, and boom, and I'm there. It's it's
1: it's amazing when you do it right. And the and the um, gym industry uh, are the masters of it. Uh, yep. And I know because it's what keeps people coming back to the gym and and what you guys are really good at is giving people the vision. So, you know, why are you trying to lose weight? Why are you trying to tone up? You know, what is it that's motivating you? Um, is it that body for when you go overseas um, on your, you know, holiday or whatever? Or, you know, you've got to be able to visualize what it is you're trying to achieve and what you're going to look like.
0: Yeah, uh, connect emotion to it. Yes. And, and when you've achieved it, what will that allow you to
1: do? And in- and it's all, so those, funny. all those
0: questions yeah. I'm really
1: good at it in my own business, but I remember I, I was at um, a gym I, um, a number of years ago. And when I was just joining, uh, they were doing all the goal setting. I'm like, I don't want to do the goal setting. I know what I want. I just, I know how many times a week I want to come and I know how long I want to do it for. So let's just do that. And they're like, no, 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 we want to do the whole photos and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I don't want to do any of that. I'm like, well, you have to I'm like, Okay. Because and oftentimes what
0: you want is not enough. You've got to go deeper. You've got to ask yourself maybe like another four levels down, you know, why and then why and then again why, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right? Because the the interesting thing about that goal, that initial goal, especially, you know, typical one, January, right? New Year's resolution. Everybody has a bit of a, you know, six-pack goal or, or, or something along those lines. Um, we all. <laughs> and, and then it comes February and statistically a lot of people drop off. And it's purely because they they didn't have a, a stronger emotional attachment to that goal. They, they yeah. didn't dig deeper. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I love the branding with BX, we have
1: just done earlier this year. Thank you. Um, why? Well, I, I guess the big thing is that uh, uh, there was two reasons. One, that uh, we knew that the branding had been around for about five years and we believe um, like good business strategy is that, you know, every five years or so, you should do a rebrand uh, because your brand becomes just a bit stale, a bit old. Um, so, we've been around for about five years, um, but we'd also, we also, we were changing in what we were doing and delivering on, and we were um, delivering in a different, fresher way, and we didn't think the branding uh, actually looked like that. Um, so, that was really the second part that really, our old brand did not... Uh, conceptualize what we were about. Um, and that was you were young, fresh, uh fun, um, energetic. The old brand was quite a conservative brand with a conservative font. Um mm. and it it that served us then, but it wasn't what we're about now. Uh and we will probably, if I if I just took the temperature back then compared to now in terms of the average age of our member, um, our average age has dropped by probably about 15 years uh, from then to now, which just goes to show you that an older conservative brand doesn't mirror the general uh makeup of our members um and let alone we just it needed a facelift it needed a new energy around it and uh i'm, I'm actually very excited by the the change in it um i love and, it it's great yeah, it,
0: it, yeah. It, it's i get a good energy out. it's a bit more dynamic and i think um a branding as a as an exercise in any business it's a it's a great marketing opportunity because it's almost like you know, like when you're starting a new business, when you're like I say, a new gym, you're doing a big open week, and and you can like really put money on it and do the whole marketing around. And it. it's like you just you just waving that hand in in the marketing, hey, we are here, we are now looking brand new. Come and see us again, or if you haven't, come and see us now. Because, like, check us out. You know, we've got a whole new, new logo, and, and it's just like it just gives you uh, an opportunity to to have something more ex- like something new, something new, exciting.
1: Well, they in do marketing. say, like, um, Subway used to say, if you put up new signs around your shop, you'll get about a ten to twenty percent lift in sales. Wow. So, if you spend twenty thousand bucks and redo your shop, you'll get ten to twenty percent growth in your business uh like that's the impact that you'll get off the back of that and that's not even rebranding but it's just about you know changing the look of what you're of what people see when they look at your business and with a rebrand for your business that's you know the same thing you know Subway is rebranded um a couple of times um when i since i was a franchisee um and i was a franchisee for almost 15 years so there was two fairly significant rebrands in that process there and i know that um for BX, that was a really important um, step for us as well. It was almost like our coming of age, I think, as well. This has been a very big year for BX. Um, you know, we've had you know three hundred percent growth basically over the past twelve months, uh, and uh, you know, so where we are now compared to where we were is is a totally different business. Um, and I think we just needed a fresh face for that as well. So, so yeah, I'm glad you like
0: it. <laughs> no, it's it's good. I definitely do. Um, Matt, what do you wish you had known when you when you started
1: your business when you started b x well when I started b x um how long it was going to take <laughs> 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 well i thought i um and how I, it was harder than I originally um thought um events you know there's lots of hard businesses and but a, a filling rooms is a hard gig uh and yeah, I actually
0: that's a, that's a good one because I actually thought about it the other day i'm like, hang on, how did he start it because I mean it's a network, but how do you start a network? Do you like go to one coffee shop and invite a couple of business owners and have a giggle? <laughs>
1: Basically, you got to, and it's uh, you know you got to get your first quorum and then go from there and uh, and build. And um, so we launched nine groups. Um, we kicked off with nine groups and and built from there. And I think that uh, we had a big vision for it. But it's, it is, it's, you're filling rooms and it's okay to, um, you know, to make mistakes, but you want to minimize the mistakes and, 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 you know, multiply the successes and you want to do it fairly fast. But it's still, I would have thought that we would have been here maybe 18 months ago. Um, but in saying that, at least I know that, um, for every competitor out there that, um, is thinking about doing it it is also just as hard to get started um and i've seen competitive in the past five years i've seen competitors come and go and um you know i uh, that's that's a good thing that if i'm in an industry that's hard to get started in um, i've heard people say you know we might do our own local one and i've seen those come and go as well it just isn't as easy as people think and um you know if you're in a business and an industry that's got a hard entry point um and a hard growth you know Point for people, then that is a good thing. Um, but it's certainly taught me that BX is that's that's been the reality for me as well. And it's you know we've we've invested um, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars over over the years and, and then some um, to build the business. Um, and you know like there's you've got to be able to have that and to work with that and to be able to prepare to invest that and the time and the effort and the energy and the time away from your family. Um, and, you know, I mentioned a wife and three kids. They're a big factor in how I try and run my business as well. Um, but, you know, I, I, set, I set myself up for success because when I had the retail and hospitality, they were 6 a.m. to midnight, seven days a week. Um, now I'm uh, five days a week <laughs> and I got my weekends back. So I'm looking pretty good about now. I was going to ask, uh, actually, um,
0: how do you balance out, you know, your, your business and, and family life? But well, you sort of, I guess. It's,
1: there's no. Only answered it. <laughs> it's it's a funny one because I don't believe there's real balance in life. Well, balance in the day to day or week to week. I think balance in life. Um, I'll know I'll work really hard now, um, and then I'll take a really good holiday um, where I can switch off and I can be 100 uh, percent with my family. Um, you know, we we take you know a, a four week road trip every year, and we you know go overseas and stuff like that. To be able to do that um, has its balance. But you need to, you know, also if I'm going to be away, you know, all week, then on the weekend, I'm 100% focused on on uh, the family. But if, you know, if I'm in and around the house and I can do a few pickups and engage with the kids and stuff like that, I can balance that out as well. So, you just, you've got to make it work, um, but you've got to have the priority with you and the focus on what's important and the family is important.
0: mm mm-hmm. Now, one more um, question with back to BX. One thing that um, I was very impressed with was when I when I joined um, the leadership team and became the experience officer when I went to the meeting at Tim's house and he started showing me all these spreadsheets. And I'm like, where is this from? Oh, he's like, oh, this, that's
1: Matt. That's Matt. So, you're a bit of a left brainer, aren't you? Well, surprisingly, I am right brain. Um Right. And this is one thing I've taught myself in business that you actually don't get the luxury of just being what you are. You have to push. Um, so, I, I, I knew that statistics and figures and understanding the numbers in your business are paramount to success. Um, so, I've learned to like and, and to, to understand and to, to take value from the numbers. Um, but I'm a high um, high right brain creative person <laughs> so so it's interesting that you say that and people would say oh Matt like he's pretty anal he's attention to detail and and that kind of stuff and um, uh, it makes me laugh because I'm not I'm a di so I'm a um, i'm I'm quite very direct person um, and I'm an eye as well so I'm on the On the disc profile, I'm I'm the opposite to C, which is the detail-oriented, and I'm a right brain person. So it's interesting that that perspective, um, which just goes to show you, though, the discipline that you have to have a small business. You don't get the luxury of just going, well, that's just who I am. I'm not going to worry about the numbers. You have to be... uh, um, focus on it, and um, but I do have good people that help me put it all together, um, and I believe that um, it's always better if it's got pretty pictures and graphs to go with it as well. So yeah, that's the right brain in me.
0: <laughs> no, I got I to say, I mean, I saw it. I'm like, wow, that's that's a very detailed tracking. You know, all the way to tracking and attendance and, and each group and everything. I'm like, Wow, that's. But I guess that's what it takes. Like yeah. you said, that's you gotta you gotta keep an eye out on every group and, and 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 also that helps with your leadership then because then you can uh, uh pick up on on those uh, areas where it, they need further further help, further leadership and nav- navigation. Absolutely. Um, well, look, we're at the end of the show. It's been amazing to have you on the show today. Um, for anybody listening out there, whether you're in Australia or international, because this is about to you know, continue growing international, if you want to get involved with uh, BX Networking, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. But um, uh, Matt,
1: where can people find you? Any, any extra things you'd like to add? Oh, look, um, my personal uh, website is mattalderton.com.au or you can go to bxnetworking.com.au as well, which is our two main websites. Um, you can get me um, at, at Matt Alderton on Facebook as well so um, you'll find me yeah, Google me I, I come up everywhere <laughs> so if you Google Matt Alderton or BX networking um, you'll get a million hits and you'll uh, you'll be able to track us down there um, but uh, yeah join us for BX online there's um, complimentary guest passes um, for any of our guests to come along and check it out for the first time so we'd love to see you there um, and uh, yeah we really appreciate uh, you know you really appreciate your time this afternoon listening in so uh, thanks for having us for
0: Thanks, mate. Great having you on the show, mate. Cheers. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening. Uh, You just listened to another great interview on the Success Inspired podcast. All right, people. On the next one, I'm talking to a leading authority on self-publishing a book. She has written and published many books on business histories for ASX-listed companies, private businesses, and family businesses. Anyone of you listening right now who are passionate about what you do and would love to become a published author I highly recommend you listen on the next episode of the Success Inspired Podcast to get notified about all the upcoming episodes and receive more valuable information to help you be more successful whether in personal career or business please make sure to subscribe to my mailing list there's going to be a link in the show notes somewhere so just go and search for it lastly I want to make sure you know that um, you guys enjoyed these interviews so please let me know um, what you think of these and if you want to help me um, you know get more people to listen to this show and and help me you know get more great guests by doing so you can simply you know you can simply go subscribe write and review um, the show on apple podcast and you can also let your mates know on the show social media uh, that's it for today once again thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day